Long History, Jacques Cartier, Journey 2, Part 5, Healers and Waterfalls. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Long History. At the moment we're serialising Jacques Cartier's three journeys where he explored the Atlantic coastline of today's Canada and then headed up the St. Lawrence River. In the previous episode he reached an area called Ochelaga, which is where today's Montreal is located. And as this episode begins, he actually enters the town of Ochelaga itself. So we'll see what happens when he meets the people of this area. Just before we get going, don't forget there's lots to explore on Long History Now. If you're interested in the age of exploration, we've covered many documents about explorers such as Walter Raleigh, Francis Drake, Magellan, Columbus and many more. Here on Long History we like to take the source document and cut it up into chunks of around 10 minutes or so to make these source documents a little more digestible and also so you can break them up and just listen to the bits that most interest you. And we've just reached over 300 episodes now so feel free to explore the episodes on your podcast provider but they're also all available together on longhistory.net our website that's long history or one word. Now this particular episode is the ninth episode of a 15 part series so if you haven't already please do subscribe or follow to be informed of when the further episodes are released. And I'm sure if you haven't started at the beginning episode 1 or the beginning of this voyage will be just a few clicks away. Okay so let's get going with Jacques Cartier, Journey 2, Part 5, Healers and Waterfalls. How we came to the town of Ochelaga and the entertainment which there we had, and of certain gifts which our captain gave them, with diverse other things. Chapter 8 So soon as we were come near the town, a great number of the inhabitants thereof came to present themselves before us after their fashion, making very much of us. We were by our guides brought into the midst of the town, They have in the middlemost part of their houses a large square place, being, from side to side, a good stone's cast, whither we were brought, and there with signs were commanded to stay. Then suddenly all the women and maidens of the town gathered themselves together, part of which had their arms full of young children, and as many as could came to rub our faces, our arms, and what parts of the body soever they could touch, weeping for very joy that they saw us, showing us the best countenance that possibly they could, desiring us with their signs that it would please us to touch their children. That done, the men caused the women to withdraw themselves back. Then they, every one, sat down on the ground round about us, as if they would have shown and rehearsed some comedy or other show. Then presently came the women again, every one bringing a four-square mat in manner of carpets, and spreading them abroad on the ground in that place, they caused us to sit upon them. That done, the lord and king of the country was brought upon nine or ten men's shoulders, whom in their tongue they call Aguhana, sitting upon a great stag's skin, and they laid him down upon the foresaid mats near to the captain, every one beckoning unto us that he was their lord and king. This Aguhana was man about fifty years old. 
he was no whit better apparelled than any of the rest, only accepted that he had a certain thing made of the skins of hedgehogs, like a red wreath. And that was instead of his crown. He was full of the palsy, and his members shrunk together. After he had, with certain signs, saluted our captain and all his company, and by manifest tokens bid all welcome, he showed his legs and arms to our captain, and with signs desired him to touch them, and so he did, rubbing them with his own hands. Then did Agohana take the wreath or crown he had about his head, and gave it unto our captain. That done, they brought before him diverse diseased men, some blind, some cripple, some lame and impotent, and some so old that the hair of their eyelids came down and covered their cheeks, and laid them all along before our captain, to the end they might of him be touched. For it seemed unto them that God was descended and come down from heaven to heal them. Our captain, seeing the misery and devotion of this poor people, recited the Gospel of St. John. That is to say, in the beginning was the word, touching everyone that was diseased, praying to God that it would please him to open the hearts of this poor people and to make them know his holy word, and that they might receive baptism and christendom. That done, he took a service book in his hand and with a loud voice read all the passion of Christ, word by word, that all the standers might hear him. All which while this poor people kept silence, and were marvellously attentive, looking up to heaven and imitating us in gestures. Then he caused the men all orderly to be set on one side, the women on another, and likewise the children on another. And to the chiefest of them he gave hatchets, to the other knives, and to the women bees and other such small trifles. Then, where the children were, he cast rings, counters and brooches made of tin, whereat they seemed to be very glad. That done, our captain commanded trumpets and other musical instruments to be sounded, which, when they heard, they were very merry. Then we took our leave and went to our boat. The women, seeing that, put themselves before to stay us, and brought us out of their meats, that they had made ready for us, as fish, pottage, beans, and such other things, thinking to make us eat and dine in that place. But, because the meats had no savour at all of salt, we liked them not, but thanked them, and with signs gave them to understand that we had no need to eat. When we were out of the town, diverse of the men and women followed us, and brought us to the top of the foresaid mountain, which we named Mount Ray. It is about a league from the town. When as we were on top of it, we might discern and plainly see thirty leagues about. On the north side of it, there are many hills to be seen running east and west, and as many more on the south, amongst and between the which the country is as fair and as pleasant as possibly can be seen, being level, smooth and very plain, fit to be husbanded and tilled. And in the midst of those fields, we saw the river further up a great way than where we had left our boats, where was the greatest and the swiftest fall of water that anywhere hath been seen, 
and as great, wide and large as our sight might discern, going southwest along three fair and round mountains that we saw, as we judged, about fifteen leagues from us. Those which brought us thither told and showed us that in the said river there were three such falls of water more, as that was where we had left our boats, but because we could not understand their language, we could not know how far they were from one another. Moreover, they showed us with signs that the said three falls being passed, a man might sail the space of three months more alongst that river, and that along the hills that are on the north side there is a great river, which, even as the other, cometh from the west. We thought it to be the river that runneth through the country of Saguenay, and without any sign or question moved or asked of them, they took the chain of our captain's whistle, which is of silver, and the dagger haft of one of our fellow mariners, hanging on his side being of yellow copper gilt, and showed us that such stuff came from the said river, and that there be Agullonda, that is as much to say, as evil people, who go all armed even to their finger ends. And they showed us the manner of making of their armour. They are made of cords and wood, finely and cunningly wrought together. They gave us also to understand that those Agullonda do continually war one against another, but because we did not understand them well, we could not perceive how far it was to that country. Our captain showed them red copper, which, in their language, they call Kainyatadze, and looking toward that country, with signs asked them if any came from thence. They, shaking their heads, answered no, but they showed us that it came from Saganay, and that lieth clean contrary to the other. After we had heard and seen these things of them, we drew to our boats, accompanied with a great multitude of those people. Some of them, when, as they saw any of our fellows weary, would take them up on their shoulders, and carry them as on horseback. So soon as we came to our boats, we hoist sail to go toward our pinnace, doubting of some mischance. Our departure grieved and displeased them very much for they followed us along the river as far as they could. We went so fast that on Monday, being the 4th of October, we came where our pinnace was. The Tuesday following, being the 5th of the month, we hoist sail, and with our pinnace and boats departed from thence toward the province of Canada, to the port of the Holy Cross, where we had left our ships. The seventh day we came against a river that cometh from the north, and entered into that river, at the entrance whereof are four little islands full of fair and goodly trees. We named that river the River of Furtz, but, because one of those islands stretcheth itself a great way into the river, our captain, at the point of it, caused a goodly great cross to be set up, and commanded the boats to be made ready, that with the next tide he might go up the said river, and consider the quality of it, which we did, and that day went up as far as we could, but, because we found it to be of no importance and very shallow, we returned and sailed down the river. How we came to the port of the Holy Cross, and in what state we found our ships, 
and how the lord of the country came to visit our captain, and our captain him, and of certain particular customs of the people. Chapter 9 Upon Monday, being the 11th of October, we came to the port of the Holy Cross, where our ships were, and found that the masters and mariners we had left there had made and reared a trench before the ships, altogether closed with great pieces of timber set upright and very well fastened together. Then had they beset the said trench about with pieces of artillery and other necessary things, to shield and defend themselves from the power of all the country. So soon as the lord of the country heard of our coming, the next day being the 12th of October, he came to visit us, accompanied with Tainuanyi, Domagaya and many others, feigning to be very glad of our coming, making much of our captain, who, as friendly as he could, entertained them, albeit they had not deserved it. Donna Connor, their lord, desired our captain the next day to come and see Canada, which he promised to do. For the next day being the 13th of the month, he with all his gentlemen and 50 mariners, very well appointed, went to visit Donna Connor and his people, about a league from our ships. The place where they make their abode is called Stadacona. When we were about a stone's cast from their houses, Many of the inhabitants came to meet us, being all set in a rank, and, as their custom is, the men all on one side and the women on the other, still dancing and singing without any ceasing. And after we had saluted and received one another, our captain gave them knives and such other slight things. Then he caused all the women and children to pass along before him, giving each one a ring of tin, for which they gave him hearty thanks. That done, our captain was, by Donna Connor and Tainuanyi, brought to see their houses, which, the quality considered, were very well provided, and stored with such victuals as the country yieldeth, to pass away the winter withal. Then they showed us the skins of five men's heads spread upon boards as we do use parchment. Donna Connor told us that they were skins of Tudamani, a people dwelling toward the south, who continually do war against them. Moreover, they told us that it was two years past that those Tudamans came to assault them, yea, even into the said river in an island that lieth over against Sogonay, where they had been the night before, as they were going a-warfaring in Onyedo with two hundred persons, men, women and children, who, being all asleep in a fort that they had made, they were assaulted by the said Tudamans, who put fire around the fort, and as they would have come out of it to save themselves, they were all slain, only five excepted, who escaped for which loss they yet sorrowed, showing with signs that one day they would be revenged. That done, we came to our ships again. This episode ends with that gruesome detail. The sight of the skins of five men's heads spread upon boards. Donna Connor, presumably aware of the power of the French, is keen to tell them about his enemies. 
so it's a glimpse of the rivalries between local people and also shows us one way in which Westerners exploited that rivalry. So anyone who has listened back three or four episodes will remember how these people in Stadacona just didn't want Cartier to head further up the river to this Montreal or Chelaga area. But there's never really any explanation as to why they're so desperate for him not to go. And really nothing much results from this journey up the river, not at the moment anyway. But we can perhaps see that it's the same reason as these five skins, with these people of the area called Stadacona, today's Quebec City, keen that the French ally with them. In the next episode we hear more details about these people and this area, and then we'll hear more about the river itself. Thank you for listening everyone to this source document about Cartier's journey of the St. Lawrence River in the 1530s, some of the very earliest European descriptions of this area. I hope that's been interesting. There's lots to explore as we've said on Long History if it did. Please, if you can, do give it a like or share it in any way to help promote Long History. If you've done that already, thanks a lot for your help. It's much appreciated. Okay, this was... Jacques Cartier, Journey 2, Pod 5. Healers and Waterfalls. Goodbye.